I was going to talk on margin, and I ran out of time. Uh, and it's been really interesting. You're probably sitting there going, what, what in the heck is margin? Well, you're going to find out this morning because I'm going to get it in this morning. And it's been interesting as I've tried to figure out, okay, how do I take the first half of that and take it into this week, and what do I do with the homework? And I was working on it yesterday, trying to get the lesson pulled together, and about 2.30 I get this phone call. And keep in mind I'm going to be talking on margin, building margin into your life, and we'll find out a little bit more about what that is. So I'm trying to get my lesson prepared, and it's been a full day, lots of meetings, lots of stuff going on, and about 2.30 I get a phone call. And it's my 21-year-old daughter who's a senior at TCU, and she's crying. That's not a phone call you like to get because it could be any of a number of things, but none of them usually good. And so she, said, she says, Dad, Dad, somebody hit my car. So my mind starts racing. And the first thing in my mind is, oh, gosh, how much is it going to cost? But I've been around long enough to know that that's not the first thing out of my mouth. So I said, how are you? And she goes, I'm fine. I wasn't even in the car. Uh, well, I don't understand. What, what happened? She, well, she had parked her car out in front of the dorm, and sometime between 6.30 last night and 2.30 when she walked out to get in her car this yesterday, somebody just ripped the whole side off the car and just left. And so she's bawling. She's crying. And I said, okay. I, I, and again, my mind's going, I got so much to do. I really need to get this lesson done or it's going to be a long night. But I didn't say that. I said, I'll be right there. So I jump in the car, go over there. She's standing on the side of the road. She's crying. She's still upset. Well, for the next three hours, that was what I got to deal with is helping her talk to TCU police who were totally hopeless and helpless. You know, once they were basically, you know, it's on a city street. It's not our problem. Call the Fort Worth police. That was another real fun thing. Because they basically, uh, do you have any witnesses? No. Okay, we'll, we'll call you. So we sat there and waited, and I couldn't do anything. And so my whole afternoon was shot. And again, I'm trying to get a lesson prepared on building margin into my life. So I go back, and then I forget that I'm supposed to be at a Young Life banquet last night with my wife. So I call my wife, and I'm trying to hint over the phone, Honey, I really don't have time to go to this Young Life banquet. And I didn't get the response back, you know, honey, it's okay, you don't have to go. She said, I'll bring you a change of clothes, I'll meet you there. <laughs> so I went to the Young Life banquet, and uh, it was great, glad I got to go. Didn't win anything at the auction, of course I didn't bid. But I didn't get my lesson done until past midnight last night. And again, I'm working on a lesson on margin. This is a really good topic, and it's one that I don't know that I'm an expert on, but it's one that every one of us need to talk about and listen to. And I want to go back to a verse we looked at two weeks ago. We looked at it last week, and I'm going to look at it again this morning because it's, it's so critical to us understanding what it is we're trying to deal with here. And it's in Ephesians 2.10, and it says, For we are God's masterpiece. We're his workmanship. We are his, he has crafted us. He has made us. And he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. This is why we're here. This is why you take breath. This is why you get up in the morning. It may not, you may not think about that, but this is what this is all about. 
And so this issue of margin, this issue of priorities, and we're going to go back and look a little bit at uh, Haggai chapter 1 and chapter 2 this morning. But why are we here? Why are we here? To do the good things that he's planned. Now here's what we're going to do this morning. I want you to take a, a sheet of paper. I meant to put some on the table, but just take a piece in your notebook or right on the back of your hand. I don't really care where you write it, but what I want you to do is take a few seconds, and I want you to make a list, and most of us need to do this anyway. I want you to make a list of everything you need to get done today. I'm talking everything you need to get done today. Work-related, home-related, your honey's to-do list, you know, play ball with the kids, you know, have my quiet time that you forgot to have this morning. Um, write down everything you need to get done and here's, here's the second part of this, guys. This is, do it by yourself. Don't cheat. Um, then I want you to talk about just how successful you think you're going to be getting half that stuff done. Okay? And then how many of them on your list do you really think are part of the good works God has prepared beforehand for you to do? Okay? So make your list. It could be work-related. It could be things you would love to do today that you know you're never going to get to do. It could be things your wife wants you to do that you have no intention of doing. Um, Everything you need to get done today, the good, the bad, and the ugly, okay? So take a few minutes to do that. And when you're done, put your pencil down. Okay, hold those thoughts, because you're going to come back to this. Okay, so remember where you were. So what do I mean when I talk about margin? What is margin? Well, here's, here's a little chart that may help you. It's no margin and margin. No margin is being asked to carry a load five pounds heavier than you can lift. Margin is a friend to carry half the burden. Somebody to step alongside and help you. No margin is not having time to finish the book you're reading on stress. Margin is having the time to read it twice. No margin is fatigue. Margin is energy. No margin is red ink. Margin is black ink. You're going to see this margin affects every area of your life, every aspect of your life. No margin is hurry. Margin is calm. You know, yesterday I had no calm. From about 2.30 on. Um, I, I felt like I was hurrying. I felt like I was rushing. I felt like everything was just kind of pushing in on me. And there was no calm. There was no sense of peace. There was no margin. Margin is anxiety. I had anxiety yesterday. You know, we just ch- changed insurance carriers. And, you know, oh gosh, now a wreck. It's a, and there's, there's nobody there to pay for it except me. So my insurance is probably going to go up. And I had all this anxiety and, you know, all the stuff that goes with dealing with that. Not a whole lot of security. Margin is security. No margin is our culture. Our culture is rampant with no margin. And yet, margin is counterculture. To have these things in your life, to have margin in your life, it just goes against the stream. No margin is the reality in which most of us live. It's our daily life. Margin is the remedy. No margin is the disease of our age, and margin is the cure. And if we're going to be called of God, used of God, 
and serving God, we've got to somehow figure out how to build margin into our lives. Because the truth is, if you're like me, and I'm guessing you are, you're operating on overload. You are totally overwhelmed and overloaded right now. Rick Warren says this about this topic. Overload comes when we have too much activity in our lives, too much change, too many choices, too much work, too much debt, too much media exposure. We're stressed by information overload. We're stressed by accessibility overload. We're connected all the time. You know you're connected all the time when your PDA goes off in the bathroom and you feel obligated to answer it. You know, you're, you're overconnected when you can't walk by the TV without, without feeling the compulsion that I need to turn it on when you know there's nothing on. You know you're overconnected when you can't even go on vaca- vacation without taking your laptop, your cell phone, and, and staying connected. And so you never... Re- everybody go- I go on vacations, I come back more tired than when I left. Because trying to get ready to go is tiring. And then when I'm gone, I'm typically working, at least in my mind, or I take it with me. And then when I come back, I have to catch up. We're always performing. We're always on overload. We're stressed out. You know, in advertising, which is the field that I spent most of my life in, one of the things I learned early on is a thing called white space. And it's a great illustration of margin. In advertising, white space is a good thing. Like when you look at an ad, if you see an ad that is just wall-to-wall, color and copy and type, and it's just too much for the mind to take in. White space is when you just let the margins go and you don't feel the need to fill up everything with space. And one of the battles most advertising people, especially creative people, have with clients is, hey, I'm paying for that ad. I want every square inch filled with something. But what they don't understand is that the way we process information is we don't, I don't want to read all that stuff. I don't have time. And especially you're flip, flipping through a magazine, you need a break from all the stuff. And so white space is a good thing. White space on a page is good. It's good in your life. It's good in my life. Look at these statistics. People now sleep two and a half fewer hours each night than people did a hundred years ago. In other words, you're sleeping less than your grandparents did. The average work week is longer than it was in the 1960s. Now keep in mind, this is all with all the wonderful tools to make our lives easier. We're working longer and we're sleeping less. The average office worker has 36 hours of work piled up on his or her desk it takes us three hours a week just to sort through it and find out what we, what we need. Isn't that kind of sad? We spend eight months of our lives opening junk mail. Two years of our lives playing phone tag with people who are busy or who are not answering. Five years waiting for people who are trying to do too much and are late for meetings. <laughs> Five years of your life waiting for people who are late for meetings. We are busy. We're an overload. And here's the bottom line. We don't have anything left over for God. We just don't. We're, we're just overcommitted and we're overloaded. We struggle, like we talked last week, with wrong priorities. Many of us are doing the wrong things. But, you know, the truth is a lot of us struggle with something else. And it's this issue of margin. Because we want to do the right thing. We want to serve. We want to help God. We want to serve God. We want to do the good things He's prepared for, for us from beforehand. But we can't, because we don't have time. Or at least that's what we think. It's really not that we lack time, talent, energy, or passion, because we all get 24 hours in a day. 
We all get the same thing. Some of us accomplish more with it than others. The issue is we lack margin. Margin. There's a a great book. If you've never uh, read it, I recommend it. Obviously, I haven't really applied it, but it's a great book. It's called Margin. And listen to what the author says. He's a doctor. He's a believer. He says, Margin is the amount of time allowed beyond what is needed. It is something held in reserve for contingencies or unanticipated situations. Margin is the gap between rest and exhaustion. The space between breathing freely and suffocating. It is the leeway we once had between ourselves and our limits. It's like when you have extra money in the bank and you're not living from paycheck to paycheck. It's when you have some time where you can literally sit down and talk to your wife and you're not going like this. Yeah, honey, okay, yeah, that's great. I got, yeah. I don't know about your wife, but my wife loves that. Margin is time to, to just sit down and rest. Time to enjoy a still moment. Time to open up the Word and sit and read it and not feel like you, okay, five minutes is up, i got to go, God, and check it off your list. Margin. So let's go back to Haggai. Open up your Bibles. It's in the Old Testament. Start in the middle of your Bible. Go backwards three books. It's the third from the last book in in your Bible, in the Old Testament. And I want us to look at that again this morning. Because there's still some great truths we haven't unwrapped yet. We we just rehearsed the story. Okay? We know the, the problem. They were supposed to be rebuilding the temple. They had put it off for over 15 years. That's why they were there. That was their job. That's what God sent them back to do after 70 years in captivity. Here's what they were doing. Now, you may look at this and say, well, you're, you're just reading into this passage. You're just uh, building a case. But I think this passage just reeks with these conclusions. They were busy building houses. That's what God accuses them of in verse 4, chapter 1. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? We talked about last week. Paneled houses mean they were expensive homes that they had imported the lumber to build these things. And it took a while to build these things. It probably took about 15 years, in some cases, to build these homes. They had been busy building homes for themselves. You and I are busy building homes for ourselves. Literally, constructively building homes, but also building our lifestyle. They were busy sowing crops. That was, they were an agricultural society. They were busy going about daily business, sowing crops. They were busy eating and drinking, it tells us in verse 6. Now, built into all of this is the fact that, yeah, they were busy doing these things, but they weren't getting the benefit. They were doing all the work. They were busy, but they weren't enjoying the results and the fruit thereof. They were busy clothing themselves, you know, working real hard to make the money to sell the crops so they could clothe themselves. They were concerned about what they looked like. You know, doesn't this sound like us? I mean, this is, this is our world. This is our lives. This is how we spend our days. They were busy making money. Look at verse 6 again. You earn, you earn wages and you put them in a purse with holes. Man, that went through my mind yesterday. You know, this is great, you know. Just what I want to do with the deductible, you know, pay the deductible to get another car fixed. Look at what they were busy doing. These were busy, busy people. And I'm sure as they looked at their lives, they thought, you know, these are good things. 
These, this is just life. This is what we have to do. And how many times do we say that? This is just part of life. This is just what I have to do. And we blow through life busy, but we don't have time for God. So like them, we filled up every area of our lives to the limit. To the limit. I don't think there's a guy in the room, if I asked you, you know, man, are you just got to, are you full to the limit? You'd probably say, yeah. We're all busy. Even when we're retired, we can get busy. Just filling up our day with stuff. And that's what these people had done. They had no room for God or for his good works. Why were they there? To rebuild the temple. What were they doing? All the other stuff. Wrong priorities and no margin in their lives. Lloyd Reeve, in his book that we've looked at before, From Success to Significance, he says margin is about intentionally uncluttering our lives. If you have no margin, then you will have nothing to give away. Think about that. If you have no margin in time, that means you have no time to give anybody. If you have no margin in money, if you're always strapped, if you're always just barely making ends meet, and somebody comes into your sphere of influence who has a need, you have nothing to give them. If you have no food in the pantry and your neighbor comes over and needs help, you have nothing to share with them. If you are emotionally drained and somebody needs to be ministered to, you have nothing to give them. You have nothing to give away. Margin allows us to do life at a pace that lets us listen to God's calling and direction. You know, you're, we've been talking about calling. We've been talking about getting in the game, doing the things that God has called you to do. But for many of us, we will never hear it because we don't have time to listen to what he's telling us. Because we're too busy. Cluttered lives, no margin. There's four types of margin I just want to briefly talk to you guys about that, again, yesterday I felt every single one of them. First is emotional margin. Emotional margin. Without emotional margin, you're going to crash and burn. And I felt like I was really close yesterday. I felt like I was really close last night. Just on the edge of just, man, I'm going to crash and burn. I am so tired. I'm so stressed. Emotional margin. How much we need it. You and I run our tank on empty. We're just, we're exhausted in spirit. We're stressed out. We're maxed out. And we have no emotional margin. So if, if you come home and you've had a really bad day at work and you're under a lot of stress financially and you're, you're emotionally drained and your wife comes up to you and says, Honey, can we talk? Man, what a tense moment. Because what you want to say is, No, we really can't. I don't want to. Now, if you're smart, you don't say that, but your wife's smart too and she sees it because you're disengaged and you don't listen and you're thinking about other things or you've got the TV on while she's talking. Yeah, go ahead. I'm listening. Emotionally, you are totally drained. No emotional margin. And the truth is we have nothing left to give God or others. We're emotionally drained. We're just too tired. There's a second one. Financial margin. Ooh, this is the fun one. Financial margin. We don't have any margin in our lives. We're overspent. We're maxed out, either on credit cards, our accounts. We've bought too much, things we can't afford. And we're living basically in survival mode. This, this, is, this is a rampant problem in, in our society. Even in our affluence, we're overspent overcommitted, and we have no financial margin. And so what's the bottom line? We have no ex excess to share with God or with others. So somebody comes into your sphere of influence, 
and they need help financially, and you just say, man, I'd love to help you, but I can't. I'm overcommitted. Lord, I know that's what you'd like me to do, but I, I can't. I don't have the margin. I don't have any excess. I'm up to my limit. And so God's work goes undone. Financial margin. There's a third one, physical margin. This is, a, this is one that God is convicting me of for my own life, but I think for all of our lives, that we leave no area for physical margin in our lives. We're out, many of us are just out of shape. You know, it is kind of funny that some of us are trying to play basketball and some of us are limping today. Um, you know, we get older. We need to exercise more. We need to watch what we eat. I say that to myself. I, it's hard. It gets harder the older you get. But many of us are out of shape physically. And it's just getting harder and harder to just get out of bed in the morning. We don't lack, we lack energy. We lack motivation. We just don't want to do much. And it's a burden just to get up and go to work for many of us. Maybe for you it's not, and that's great. But physical margin in our lives, we're physically drained from just daily existence. You ever go home at night and you just, you know, part of this is emotional, but you just, man, you're just exhausted. Now think about your day. If your day's like mine, what do you spend most of your day doing? Sitting at a desk staring at a computer. Now, many of you are in active fields. You're in construction. You're out and about. You're physically... But I spend most of my days sitting in meetings and sitting at a computer, look, you know, just staring at a screen. But I go home and I'm physically exhausted. What did I do? I walked to a couple of meetings. I ran to my car. I went back to my desk. I sat down. I got up. I stared at a computer. But I'm physically exhausted. We don't do that much, but we're still drained physically when we get home. We're tired and we just want to sit. You walk in the house, ah. my son comes up and says, Dad, come play soccer with me. Oh, I'm, I'm exhausted. And I'm sure he's sitting there going, I know what you do. How could, what kind of shape are you in? Physically exhausted. So, bottom line, we have nothing left to give God or others. This is the conclusion in all of these. We have nothing left to give God. Hey, go serve. Go help a neighbor. Go mow your neighbor's yard because they're in the hospital. Or they're in... Man, I'm exhausted. I can't. I don't have anything left to give. Finally, spiritual margin. Probably the most important. We are overcommitted. And many times to good things. Our lives are filled with tons of religious activities. My wife and I sat down the other night and we were talking about this topic. And we started looking at, okay, what can we cut out? And it was really interesting. Neither one of us could come up with anything. We both admitted we're overcommitted and we're doing great things. And she teaches in Sunday school and she's going on the Brazil mission trip. And, you know, I've got my list of things. And, okay, what can I cut out? And it really gets hard. But we had to admit that many of them are just religious activity. And do we really need to be doing all of them? But at the end of the day, we have no time to listen to God. I'm doing all this religious stuff, but I'm not really, I don't have time to listen to God because I'm too busy serving God. And he's going, you know, why are you so tired? Why, why are you so busy? Why are you so busy serving me, but you don't have time to even listen to me? No spiritual margin. You know, to sit there and um, prepare a lesson till midnight... And then not be able to get up in the morning and spend any time in the Word. What's wrong with that picture? Anything? 
hey, God, I'm, I'm going to teach your word, but you know, I don't have time to read it or listen to you. There's something wrong with that picture. No margin. And guys, I don't have all the answers. I'm still struggling with this issue, but I do know that unless I build margin into my life in all four of those areas, I will crash and burn. And I will be totally ineffective for the kingdom of God no matter how busy I am for the kingdom of God. All my work will be wasted work. Lloyd Reeve says this, Spiritual margin exists when your heart is so filled with God, it overflows into the lives of others. Your heart is so filled with God that you can't help but want to help others and serve others and give them time and give them money and you realize that I don't need to buy that because I don't have to have that. I don't need that in my life. I don't need to fill up my life with more of that. And you're filling your life with God so that it overflows into the lives of others. It's loving others. It's having time for the others. Making room for God makes things happen. And we're going to look at Haggai again, the book of Haggai. It makes things happen, guys. Look at uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. It makes things happen. When you put God in your life, when you start building margin into your life for Him, especially for Him, He will make things happen. Look at what happens in verse 12, chapter 1. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet. As the Lord their God had sent him, and the people showed reverence for the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, and the spirit of the remnant of the people. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord their God on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. Something happened. For 15 years they have delayed doing what God told them to do. They suddenly decided, after hearing from God, okay, we're going to obey. They're going to do God's work. They're going to go do what God had put them there to do. Better late than never. Hey, at least we're going to start. But this is interesting. They had delayed 15 years, but it only took them 23 days to obey once the prophet spoke. How many days is it going to take for you and I? When we hear this issue of margin, how many days is it going to take before we go, okay, God... One way or the other, I'm going to start building some margin in my life. I'm going to start saying no to some things. It says the people showed reverence for God. The Net Bible says it this way. The people began to respect the Lord. Man, that, that hit me so hard because, you know, show reverence for God sounds so ethereal, so holy. But when you put it in the terms of they began to, sh- to just respect Him. When we do his work, we show our respect for him. When we start saying, God, I'm going to do your will, your way, on your timing, and I'll put your priorities over mine, we're respecting him. And here's the opposite side of this. When we fail to do his work, we dishonor him. I don't know about you, but I don't know that I want to go through life dishonoring God any more than I already have. Show him respect. They showed God respect. Obedience, guys, when they obeyed, it brings God's presence. What does he say? Verse 13, I am with you, declares the Lord. Even though they've been disobedient for over 15 years, been in captivity for 70 years for disobeying God, he says, man, I am with you. When you obey, 
I will be with you. So when you start saying, God, I'm gonna, I don't know how I'm going to do it, and I don't even know where to begin, but I'm going to take this list that you guys made, and I'm going to start cutting some of this stuff out. I'm going to start whittling down and eliminating, what does he say to you? I will be with you. I'm going to be there with you the whole way. And not only that will he be with you, he says, I'm going to give you the power to do it. Verse 14 says, The Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the spirit of Joshua, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. He gave them the energy. He gave them the motivation. Once they decided, God, I'm going to do your work, he gave them the motivation, and then he provided them with the power and the energy to do it. And guys, it it is intimidating for me to sit here and think, what can I cut out? What can I not do? And yet, God, if I take the step and if my desire is I want to spend more time with him and I want to build margin in my life so I can give my life away, God will be with me and he will give me the power, the motivation, and the energy to do it. He will provide. That's what he told them. That's what he's telling you and I. And the people found margin to do God's work. Suddenly there was margin. Verse 14 says, They came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts their God. Suddenly, after 15 years, they stopped worrying about crops, stop worrying about clothes, stop worrying about their houses, and they began to do the work. You ever, you ever felt like, man, I just can't do it. I don't have time to do it. But if you've had this experience, and I have, when you say, okay, God, that's what you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do, and you'll take care of the rest. And somehow, miraculously, he does. He pulls it together. Time after time after time, he, he built margin into their lives. He helped them find the time to do the work. They threw off the idol of busyness. They just finally said, no, I'm not going to be busy anymore, just filling up my life. Ask each other, hey, how's your margin doing? Uh, When you see each other stressed out, when you know you're overly committed and you're too busy, talk about this during the week. Be active in each other's lives. Because the truth is we need that encouragement. Let me me give you two conclusions I got out of this, this topic out of this message from Haggai. It's the before and after, and it's pretty interesting. If you look real quickly over at chapter 2 of Haggai, verses 15 through 17. Listen to what he says. Now therefore reflect carefully on the recent past, the last 15 years. Before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple, you'd been putting it off. From that time when one came expecting a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. 50% decrease in productivity. Remember, they were sowing, not reaping. They were making money but had holes in their purse. When one came to the wine vat to draw out 50 measures from it, that's what they were expecting. There were only 20, a 60% decrease in productivity. I struck, God says, all the products of your labor with blight, disease, and hail, and yet you brought nothing to me. What, What does this sum up? As long as they delayed God's work, Cursing. Cursing. You know, we don't like to talk about that, but it's a reality of Scripture from the New Te- Old Testament to the New Testament. You want to hold, up, hold back from God? Go right ahead. But I've learned in my life when I hold back from God, everything I've got my fingers wrapped around just seems to turn to dust. It never produces. It never delivers. But here's the good part. This is the after. Look at verse 18 through 19. Think carefully about the past. From today, the 24th day of the ninth month, 
to the day work in the temple of the Lord was resumed. The minute you said, okay, I'm going to start doing the Lord's work, and you put the first brick on the wall, think about it. The seed is still in the storehouse, isn't it? The vine, fig tree, pomegranate, and olive tree have not produced. Nevertheless, from today on, I will bless you. In other words, you look around and we haven't planted yet. The trees aren't budding yet. There's, there's no sign yet that anything positive has changed. But what does he say? Nevertheless, today, from this day on, because you started doing my work, my will, my way, I will bless you. Once they resume God's work, blessing. Once you and I decide that, you know what, I'm not going to live my life like this anymore. I'm not going to fill my life with my priorities and fill up my day with and limit my margins to the, I don't have anything left to give God or anybody else. When you make that decision, when I make that decision, I will receive the blessing of God. It's a promise of God. But it starts with us obeying. It starts with us obeying. I said this last week, and I'll remind you again. You will never hear from God until you start listening to God. And that takes margin. You won't ever do His good works if you fill up your day with your own. If you look at that to-do list you made and God is not on it, I will guarantee you, and I'm not a prophet, but I will guarantee you, your day will be full of cursing. Probably some of your own. Because you're going to be frustrated if you do not have any time for God. If you do not make time for God. And ignoring Him will not make Him go away. I am learning after 52 years that He is a very persistent being. And I can't make Him go away. He pursues me relentlessly and it's one of the reasons I love Him. Because I would have left me a long time ago. Make margin in your life. Would you pray with me? You know, guys, let's get practical. Maybe you need to turn off the TV. Maybe you need to take some time and take a fast from your cell phone. Maybe you need to just take half a day and just get away. I don't know what it's going to take for you I'm not even sure what it's going to take for me, but I do know there are some things you and I can eliminate and begin to build some margin in our lives. Financial margin, emotional margin, physical margin. Learn to say no. And that's something I desperately need to learn. It's okay. God's work isn't dependent on me. I need to be dependent on Him. Learn to say no. Get less done, but do the right things. It's okay if you don't get everything done, but it's not okay if if we don't do what He's called us to do. Father, we come to You this morning, and we thank You that You love us so much that You never turn Your back on us. You never give up on us. You relentlessly pursue us because You have works prepared from beforehand for us to do good works, good things, eternal things that have lasting value and will leave a legacy for your kingdom. Father, I know every man in this room is tired, either emotionally, physically, financially tired. We're stressed out, strapped, maxed out. 
And Father, we need you. Help us to come to an end of ourselves and begin to lean on you. Help me to do that, Father, so that you will fill my day, I will fill my day with you, so that you might fill my life with blessing, so that I might be a blessing. Father, I thank you for these guys. I thank you that many of them are serving you in so many ways. Many of them are giving their lives away. Many of them have already learned this lesson. And thank you for that. But I know there are many who haven't yet. And I'm one of them. Help me to learn to build margin into my life because you never intended for us to live stressed out, maxed out, with nothing left to give. May we reserve space and time for you and do your work. And you promise us when we do, you'll shower us with your presence and you'll cover us with your blessings. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you for these guys. Bless their day and help us to be about your works all throughout this day. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ.